I'm Joshua Simon. I'm Sam Joe. And we are the, the SG Boys. Boys, that little gay podcast from Singapore. Subscribe and find us on Instagram at the SG Boys. So Sam Joe and I got invited to the premiere of season three of the hit web series that Woo-hoo. crossed what two million views on YouTube so far, nominated for an Emmy, and this is a Singaporean production. Yeah, a local born and bred production. Yes, I went to the premiere. This was at Cine Leisure, where the projector is right now, mm-hmm. and I was alone. Oh yeah, okay. I knew I was. <laughs> I knew you were gonna bring that up. I'm so sorry. I was late. No, I was okay. late. It was gonna be a double date. Me, me and Josh. Okay, I didn't really have an excuse. Like I was. It's just that I was stuck in Sentosa. I went to the beach. Uh, it was a wrong day to go to the beach, obviously, because it was a rainy day. It was pouring. So I was trying to call a cab and I just couldn't. Like, no one wanted to come pick me up. So I was stranded there for a bit. I'm so sorry. No, I'm just yeah. glad you managed to make it just in time. I thought we were going to watch like one episode of People Like Us. But if you've seen People Like Us, you know um, the episodes are about 10, 10 minutes, minutes max, right? Mm. So we watched the entire third season. Woo! <laughs> With us right now on the show is the creator of People Like Us and one of the biggest fans of the SG Boys, right? Yes, I am. <laughs> you better say From that. From day one. <laughs> give it up for Leon Chiu. Yeah, Leon to the house. Hey, thank you guys. Thanks for having me. All right, let's start with introducing people like us to people like us. I like to describe it as a show about um, four gay men finding love, sex, and everything in between in Singapore. I co-developed it with Action for AIDS and GayHealth.SG. This was 2014. When I met them at a Pink Dot event, I have been doing some videos for them back then. Mm-hmm. They reached out to me, we talked, and they said, like, we're interested to find someone to create and develop a web series about four gay men. And that was just basically what they told me. And I said, okay, sure, but it can't be preachy. I don't think we are in the era where it's the pre-2000s where there's a lot of PG, AIDS education, HIV awareness kind of campaigns. And surprisingly, they were they agreed to my take to it. And off I went. They did give me the so-called mandate of having um, different age groups, different ethnicities, so that they can target different communities in that sense. And of course, it's also for diversity, which is very, very important for the show. We want to represent across the board different ethnicities as well. A lot of local shows don't have that ability to sometimes. People Like Us is a entertaining yet educational show about gay men and gay life in Singapore and the issues that gay men face. It is about my characters negotiating risks or not negotiating risks with regards to their sexual health, with regards to dating. For for me, at least when I was approaching the project, being realistic and being relevant is very important. We didn't want characters who were just saints. We wanted characters to sometimes make mistakes and either learn or not learn from them and then face the consequences. I think the, the first thing that I imagine a Singaporean filmmaker will be faced with with such subject matter is... Is that even allowed? A show like this? You know, where can it come out? How can it reach an audience? Yeah, I think that's a really good question, Josh. Um, And that's honestly why the show is a web series. And that's honestly why the show lives on YouTube. Our government doesn't censor YouTube and the internet as much as it does movies and theater and even publications and music. It was kind of a no-brainer too because we also wanted the show to be freely available 
to our target audience. We didn't want a huge barrier in terms of cost um, because there are sexual health and public health messages embedded into the narratives. Thankfully, we have that space that we can use to uh, make the show and have the show happen. Mm. Yes, even same-sex sex scenes aren't that commonly filmed in Singapore. And uh, we also have to fall under YouTube's uh, community guidelines. So the type of nudity is a certain type of nudity. Mm. It wouldn't be European-style art film nudity. Yeah, you know? um, not full frontal. Not full frontal. It's, it's all simulated, of course, but you know, highly suggestive that it is realistic. And when we talk about like, you know, YouTube restrictions and guidelines, I was trying to catch up on the earlier seasons because YouTube made me sign in because I was watching it um, on the bus. And then after, like, it, when it got to like some of the sex scenes, I was like <laughs> looking over my shoulder. Right, because, I fall, fall yeah, forward. Yeah, I mean, not even that, but I kind of like made the brightness a bit lower la, because I wasn't <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, people behind me would think I was watching porn on the bus or something, oh, you know. Actually, um, I, even though I shouldn't feel that way, I do feel that way sometimes because... Um, the show was only recently finished, finished, and uh, I, I've in the past few weeks before the premiere, I was also still reviewing some of the stuff on like MRT and things like that. And then I'll be a little bit like, hmm, okay, hopefully nobody thinks I'm watching porn. Yeah. Yes, the show is sexy, um, but I think you know what's important is for me to also show that it is sex positive. It's okay to have sex like this. Yeah. I think one of the reasons why we're feeling this unease is also perhaps some of this cultural upbringing that we are still getting used to in terms of um, how we see and process queer gay sex on screen exactly yes um, yes totally agree like there's this lingering sense of stigma right at first like, I told you I was looking over my shoulder but then I was like wait it's just me like no one is sitting behind me in mm-hmm. fact no one cares because yeah. if you go on public transport these days <laughs> everyone is what looking at their own phone yeah, everyone's absorbed in their own little bubble no one really cares about what someone else is doing uh, when I was in the premiere and we were watching there were a couple of moments that I was like oh gosh and I looked away because mm. oh. I was just I did I was looking away because I just could not watch what I was seeing on screen because it's unfamiliar in a few layers, right? I mean, it's gay sex on screen, but Singaporeans, mm-hmm. we don't see a lot of that. Maybe you see like kind of like from Western media, but you're able to understand that, oh, that's fantasy or that's make-believe or that's a film. But it's another thing when you see our own Singaporean like landscapes and the background and everything and you recognize some of these places, that's then it right. becomes like, oh my gosh, you're right. We have been and we've talked about this in our season as well about sort of this hypersexualized lifestyle that Singaporeans as gay men that we have there's also a lot of shame in that there's a lot of secrecy behind that where it's kind of kept to those places and it never sees the light of day yeah so it's almost like maybe when you looked away you were thinking okay I mean it's not like you haven't seen stuff like that before but it's more of like shouldn't I be viewing this in the privacy of my bedroom and you know it's a bit of of a culture shock yeah 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 yeah. and senior leisure no less you know (laughs) (laughs) with a full crowd (laughs) with a full crowd yeah Yeah. but it wasn't it special didn't it feel different it did it was great it was interesting you're among people People like like us us, literally yeah PLU Yeah, yeah and then you can now look at the scene objectively by not participating in it, but then you're also analyzing it, reflecting on your own experiences. And then you're thinking like, huh, should the character be in this environment, in this position? How would I have made decisions or choices differently mm-hmm. if I was this character? So it's, so it's interesting because we were watching it and it's a very personal experience, but it's also a very like sort of a community experience as well. 
Oh, um, this is feedback for you. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is uh, this is all great. <laughs> um, He's taking notes. He's taking mental notes. This is all great, and I always um, like to ask friends and strangers like how they have received the show and how they feel about it. I did bring up one point uh, during the sort of press conference Q&A after the screening, which was really good because it allowed us to see the people behind the series. And and one of the questions that I asked was about how this portrays people like us to people who are not like us, whether or not there was any consideration to how we are portrayed, whether it's a little bit too sexual or too dark or too tragic. Uh, and, and your answer to that. Well, actually, after you asked that question, it stayed with me for the next few days until today, right now, where we're doing this recording. Like, your asking has made me think about it more. Mm. And um, I think sometimes I feel that, yeah, should I hold back a little bit? But no, that's the conclusion I've come to in the past few days thinking about your question. Like, for the so-called mainstream audience or the straight audience, it's like, they don't make films and stories with this concern. Exactly. You know, like, I think it's because we're afraid. We want to be loved. We meaning the queer community. We mean meaning the gay community. Like, we've always been demonized, marginalized. And this desire to want to present a slightly palatable version of us comes from that. Mm. And I feel that. Mm. I feel where exactly when you asked me that question. And that struck me a little bit as well. Straight filmmakers don't think about this. You know, they make films about straight people being in addiction, being addicted to drugs, for example, or like having lots of sex or whatever. Like they don't think that it's a bad portrayal of themselves. Yeah. So why should we? Yeah. You know. Or will someone disapprove of it? And even if someone does, like, so what? Because this is the accurate representation of this character's journey. Yeah. Therefore, it is valid. I mean, love the question also, but I think it kind of like reminded us, like, yeah, why when we're doing things for ourselves, do we have to constantly? think about satisfying others yeah. or making others happy for sure you know it's, it's yeah. interesting that you mentioned that that question stuck with you because it did for me as well and I kept going back to that moment when I asked that question and your answer and I was reflecting as well on why that question came so naturally to me a couple of reasons why okay if my parents were to see this and they were to see that this is what my son is like and this is what his lifestyle is like then I definitely don't want him to be a part of this environment. It's sex, it's drugs, it's people hurting each other. I wouldn't want them to see that. And you're right, exactly right with what you just said. You know, Because we have been in this state for so long, we are a community that is still healing and still learning, finding open spaces where we can be. It's almost like, hey, thanks for repealing 377A. Mm-hmm. Life is actually beautiful. We're actually beautiful. We are more than this. Uh, let me put a filter on it and show you with rose-tinted glasses, the LGBT community. But you are right. We could identify what a lot of the characters were going through. We could identify, or we know someone who is still maybe even going through some of these things. And we recognize these places and spaces. Uh, and that's why it's kind of scary to be confronted with that. I agree. It can be very scary. It's even scary for me because actually I invited my mom and my brother to the screening and they were there too but I haven't had a proper conversation with her about it um, but ever since this year I've, I've been trying to close that gap between mm. what she knows about me and what uh, I want to tell her Yeah, and she asked for it too so I said okay I'll just tell you everything you want to know and invite you to everything that I do 
Oh. Um, I don't know how she's taking it, to be honest. But uh, this season, you know, has three characters dealing with their parents in different ways. Mm-hmm. And um, some of it is nice, some of it is not so nice. Some of the things that some of my characters say are literally what I also think, like, uh, or ha- have thought. So, for example, when I mean, one of the Malay characters says, like, oh, I think my mom will never get to know the real me. I've thought that before. Um, and that's one of the reasons, I think, why I'm trying to close that bridge. Because, you know, he also mentions that like, there's a gap that he doesn't know the men. Yeah. And I think a lot of queer kids get that. Yeah. Rizwan, by the way, just jumping in here, played by the lovely Irfan Kasban, yes. who's been on this podcast also. Yes. Which was really hard to watch. because. He has a couple of scenes yeah. in a bathhouse. Mm. And I'm like, that's the guy we interviewed. So I had to yeah. look away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. He's also very different in real life compared to his screen character. Exactly. Because right. he's so like stoic in yeah. the show. He's very stoic and very controlled <clears throat> in the show. Um, but in real life? But in real life, he's, he's a firecracker. Yes. <laughs> so that was quite enjoyable. You know, actually, Leon, the truth, I think Sam, Joe and I, we should get to the truth. Mm. Okay. The reason we invited you onto our podcast is because we are hoping that you will see the glimmer in each of us here and cast us in season four. Oh, I see. (laughs) No wonder. Okay. No wonder this was set up in like two seconds. I'm kidding. That's why we said yes so quickly. But we don't have to be so serious. Like just like we just, like I love this banter and stuff. So I'm going to try to lean into it as well. Yeah. 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 So who do you have to call? Well, Josh, didn't you know that you are kind of featured? You were. (laughs) (laughs) Technically, people like us alum. Technically. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, Josh, you know, we had one of your songs in season two, if you recall. It's incredible, by the way. You you feature a lot of uh, local artists and also local queer artists. At the end of every episode, there is always a song. It's very carefully chosen uh, based on what happens in each episode. So I really like that you're also showing people like us sort of in the music industry as well. Just a little bit about that. Um, in season one, we didn't have um, that many um, songs. Mm-hmm. We only had one from, from Gentle Bones and the rest were just like original compositions. But from season two, I thought of the idea of featuring Singaporean or Singaporean-born um, singers and songwriters because we do have amazing talent here that needs to be discovered. We have Gene Seizure, we have Lin Ying, we have Jupiter Kid, we have Lulo again um, as well because Lulo coincidentally also closed the second season as well with his song Greed, which I love. Uh, Ken Lo, Kayana, oh, and also Aaron, um, who's actually Shahiran, one of the actors mm. in my show. He's also a singer and a registered nurse. Man of many talents. Um, he's, wow. the, he's the guy who plays um, Hanif, yes. the person, not a spoiler, but the person living with HIV on my show. Mm. And um, yeah, we also have one of his songs um, in episode two. I was very happy that you chose that particular song of mine in, in the show. Uh, it, it's called Hush. I, I wrote that song about queer relationship where you're very happy together. Mm-hmm. The chorus talks about how I mean the song's called Hush so Hush now not here I'll hold your hand in the car instead loving each other so much but then you have to shield it from the public because you're afraid and ashamed of mm-hmm. what you have and and the question at the end of the chorus is uh, but will we be here when they clear Hush now I'll hold your hand in the car instead Hush now there's people looking from the corner 
he's still here. And, and I think that's something that I think a lot of queer couples also have that kind of dissonance with. It's like, okay, I won't hold your hand. I'll pretend that I'm your friend in this situation. But how are we and how, how, how is that affecting now our relationship? I think it affects a lot of people. That's one of the main contention in, in season two as well. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. You know, how do you introduce me if you're a bit more closeted than, than not? Yeah. Yeah, no, Josh, of course, your music is wonderful too and that's also why we chose it. Mm-hmm. Um, the acting skills are also not bad, actually. You, know? you just have to audition us. Huh? Oh, oh, okay, okay, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. He really, really wants a role, <laughs> even you, if it's just a cameo. <laughs> <laughs> We've very naturally included more characters. This season in particular has a trans person in there. That's right. In season three, we, for the first time, have a trans character, probably the f- first time in Singapore media history that a trans person played a trans character. It was also definitely a creative choice to introduce this character. Um, however, I also wanted to make sure that it wasn't too surfacy. And it was suggested by Victoria Wondersnatch who raised the funds for this season through her direct cabaret Fun for the Arts uh, AFA show. A lot of it then began with research. I started talking to trans people that I know. I also then asked them to introduce me to more trans men that I know because this character happens to be a trans man um, who is who also happens to be gay. But then I learned that, oh, actually a lot of trans men, because of their transitioning, they actually tend to start dating like the opposite sex first, for example, and then, you know, discover their sexuality or their bisexuality along the way. So... It's been quite, for a cis man such as myself, it's been quite a, a, a learning journey too to really learn what is it like to be trans. Yeah, sometimes people just are afraid to ask questions, I feel, about things they don't know because and, uh, they're worried that, especially in like, you know, this day and age, you know, the climate is always, oh, is it appropriate? Is that PC enough? People are scared to I was admit scared that they too. don't know a lot of yeah, things. Yeah, I right? was scared too to yeah. also admit to things that I don't know. And I think making a show is kind of a nice excuse <laughs> to, <laughs> to really learn more. Yeah. Um, to be as capo as you want to be. To right? be as capo and, as yeah, I want to yeah. be. Because yeah. sometimes in real life, you also don't want to be so capo. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't ask ordinary, like, hey, how do you have sex? You know, like, what's it like? That kind of stuff. It's a bit awkward, I guess. But having this opportunity really, yeah. Was, yeah. was was nice um, and I could ask questions that I probably not normally ask yeah. yeah but were you not scared going to it also I'm just wondering because mm. I mean obviously you're very committed to your craft right going by all the comments I think people really love what you do but there will be some naysayers were you worried going in that hey you know if now especially if I'm going to introduce a trans character you know what if some people in the trans community don't agree with a certain kind of portrayal you know how yeah. things can get misconstrued sometimes Yeah, I know even if you- the intention is very good right for me as a ethnically chinese filmmaker telling stories of people who are not me Mm. and there's always that fear of misrepresenting and i think maybe that's why that motivates me to you know sometimes mistakes can happen yeah zane's character the way he prays how he prays is something i was also learning but also don't know enough but thankfully i have some uh, malay crew members who like stepped in and say hey you know this is probably not a good idea or the kind of stuff all I can say is I, I try my best and I've tried my best. And, you have. And, and I'll yeah. try to learn as I go along um, yeah. if I've made any mistakes. Um, yeah. I think your approach is admirable. Um, I, I I don't want you to walk on eggshells. And, I, and what we've been trying to advocate with this podcast is to go with grace towards one another. Uh, that we are learning. We are a community that has been hurt and is healing. And we are 
now able to have these kind of conversations on platforms like social media, like on YouTube, like this show would not exist 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. we wouldn't have a space for it and we certainly won't have it with all the scenes there we would have to go to Malaysia and buy the DVD and smuggle it over you know the, the well, VCD yeah the VCD <laughs> even then I also don't want to paint it as too rosy per se because as uh, Irfan alluded to at the Q&A at the screening he has received messages from neighboring countries, um, like positive messages, but actually he hasn't alluded to some of the more negative messages. Or if, on some episodes, if you go to the YouTube page, um, you'll see some more negative mm. comments uh, that showed up, especially because of his character. I think I do fear that sometimes my actors can get death threats and stuff or get hate mail. And I think Irfan does get some of it. That is something that actually concerns me and I'm I don't know I can't really do too much about it I can't predict it I do still think it's important to have queer Muslim characters on screen of course it's um, brave for yeah. you to do that and it's brave for him to do that and yeah and you're in honestly this- more him just because I don't think I've ever gotten hate mail for that but like I think as an actor he gets that mm. somehow more directly because he's the face he's of, the face right? yeah. yeah I mean we respect that on criticism, this might be a tough question to answer, but what do you say to people who see a show like People Like Us and then they click it? And I think this is something that some queer people will feel or have felt where they're so used to the BL series, the Boy Love series that they've been watching or their Call Me By Your Names uh, where they're like, oh, this is People Like Us. I'm going to click it. Oh, wait, he's not a cute Chinese guy with six pack. And, and, and that's the ugly truth about it, where a lot of times, I mean, back to that question I asked you about how we are portrayed, right? People like us, is that we go to the movies to escape reality, to aspire towards something else. And so much of what queer people consume, especially in pornography, is sort of twisted aspiration, where it's like, I want to see the guy that I want to be and be with having sex on screen. So if I'm going to watch a a gay show, I want it to look all pretty with the filter on with a hot guy that has to look like me or the guy at least I want to be with. I would say gently that this is perhaps not the show for you. I think there are two kinds of audiences. One side is, yeah, I love escapist movies. I want to see sexy bodies. I want to see explosions and visual effects and Mm. not think about my stressful day. And that's fine. And sometimes I'm like that. And then there are other times where, um, oh, I'm more interested in seeing realistic portrayals of human motivations. And if that's what you feel like today, then People Like Us is for you. The show has always been in the second category. I guess that's just kind of my style as well. Mm. Um, and, um, And what I wish to see in terms of queer people on screen, actual true to life locations, actual singlish sometimes as well because there's always the criticism of this weird english that shows up on channel five sometimes and and people don't find that relevant but to me i love accents i love singlish granted the show's characters talk in a bit more uh, modulated modulated singlish yeah yeah. Yeah. Um, don't need to put on the closed caption still can understand type 
Correct. Unlike me right now. <laughs> what the fuck did he just say? <laughs> but I guess that's maybe how I speak most of the time. And uh, yeah. and I, I was just trying to put in a version of what I think is realistic and possible. Yeah, I mean, for those who like BL, I mean, all the better for you. I mean, go for it. Like, I don't, I don't want to like diss you for it. Yeah. yeah. You know, this is actually a question we've asked on this show, Sam, Joe and I, uh, but in the RuPaul's Drag Race context, mm-hmm. where there are a lot of queer people who don't want to watch RuPaul's Drag Race. They're it being almost, too campy or too, yeah, or too gay. Yeah, they're repulsed by it even, yeah. mm-hmm. dare I say. Gotcha. Like, I, this looks too feminine. Yep. Y'all shouldn't be dressed like that. And this is coming from actual people that I even know I know what and you I've, mean I've tried to evangelize RuPaul's Drag Race to them I've tried like you should watch like the human stories behind it even if you don't get the the, the splits and the death drops even if you don't like the sassiness there's still something there for you and the show should be for everyone so I've tried to do that like I disagree with you in the sense where people should watch it and, and they should then challenge themselves and then ask themselves why they're feeling so repulsed by it Mm. why are you feeling this way it's because you don't usually hang out with people of this skin color or this body type maybe you should maybe you now it's time to hear their stories because you don't see them enough not even in real life and we know that there are people like that mm. right who like chinese only kind i agree they should watch the show but i don't know if i can force them to watch the show it's what i'm mm. trying to say yeah uh, mm. There's only so much marketing you can do. I mean, you've done a screening, you've, you're, you're on this podcast, but at the end of the day, I feel like if people don't want to watch something, no amount of coercing will make them want to yeah. until they're ready. And it's and quite honestly, it's their loss. You it's, know? It is their loss. Yeah. Um, and of course, word of mouth, um, when people tell other people about the show and then they check it out, um, I would say most people like it, but if they don't like it, I mean, yeah, what can we do about it? Yeah. It's, I think that's art. That's why everyone's on their journey. The, the fact that it's out there, it's on YouTube for you to access it when you need that, uh, the option is there. To some of these people's credit, I know people who refused to watch RuPaul's Drag Race for a long time and then finally did and now are like... <laughs> the best thing doing ever. Tongue, yeah. Doing tongue pops. <laughs> right. I, doing- I was one of them. I didn't refuse to watch it, but it didn't appeal to me. My first season was season nine. And now you're a drag queen. <laughs> exactly, exactly. What can I say? But exactly. So, I mean, I, like, that's like, if that isn't an example, I don't know what is, right? Like, yeah. it took me a while, like, se- like nine seasons, and I, I just happened to be... But it's also circumstance, right? Like, I happened to be in a bar in New York. In the US, they have a lot of these screenings of, yes, of they drag like race to do episodes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Maybe my life would have been different if I didn't find myself in that bar with, with my friends in New York. I wouldn't have picked yeah. up Drag Race, you know. So hopefully, one day, Leon, people like us will be <laughs> screening. Hey, we should ask a local bar to screen. Are they allowed to do that? I know they screen it at the uh, Saturday um, anonymous testing uh, site that AFA runs. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Ah. I believe they do. I don't know if it's full volume, but I, I, yeah. I'm told that they play it on the TV screens there. Picking their curiosity enough for yes. them to go back and like, okay, search that show mm-hmm. up. Yeah. And I, and I think that's what you know, did it for me when I was in that bar that night. I was like, okay, I love, I like what I'm seeing. I got a taste of the iceberg. <laughs> I'm gonna like this. Bad and now energy. you're all in. I, I got a, a little bit. I got a taste of the tip, and now I want the whole thing. Yeah. Now you want all in. Yeah. All in. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All in. All in. You had a Full taste throttle. of honey. Yes. Now you want the whole beehive. Yes. Beyonce reference in Austin Powers and Goldmember. <laughs> this this is like a classic Joshua reference thing, right? Like yeah. I've noticed those. that you do this your sh- on your show. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, whenever Josh and I are in a room, we have we got these like millennial references, pop yeah. culture references, which. <laughs> 
five other people get. <laughs> like truly. Yeah. Do we make you uncomfortable, Leon? <laughs> no, uh, I'm just a bit embarrassed. I don't. I mean, I've seen the movie. I think, but uh, yeah, I can't remember that song. We need to yeah. take you out. We will. We will um, jolt your memory. Yeah. yeah. But it's that yeah. scene where. Um, I think we can move on from that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's circle back to. AFA, there is a storyline in season three, which discusses U equals U. U equals U stands for undetectable equals untransmittable. And it basically means that when a person living with HIV uh, becomes undetectable, it is when the viral load or the viral count in his blood of HIV is so low that a test can't detect it hence undetectable. And that's also when you, uh, this person has been taking their medication regularly and religiously. So when you're undetectable, you're untransmittable. You can't pass the HIV virus through sex to someone else. It's truly, truly a game changer and you know more people need to know about it. There are a couple of scientific research papers about it. The risk is, is zero in terms of an undetectable status in terms of transmitting HIV. I then wanted to explore what that means to the Rai and Hanif characters. Rai is HIV negative and then Hanif is living with HIV. We met these characters in season two and I was thinking, like, okay, what next in terms of their relationship? This was just the perfect uh, situation where I could explore Rai's skepticism about the science at first and then show him going through the humps and the uh, roadblocks that he he meets um, until he gradually accepts the science, not just because of science, but also through love, uh, not also just from his partner, but also from his mom. I, I really appreciated that when I was watching it at that screening, because I think maybe a week prior, because I work in the media, I had to report the news and I had to do a story on the rise of reported HIV cases mm-hmm. here in Singapore. And with how these reports go, a huge percentage of them being men, and a part of me also felt like, once again, gays were on the news, but it's this kind of news. There was no mention of how we have been progressively getting all these breakthrough discoveries and advancements in medicine. It is not a death sentence. And the quality of life for a person living with HIV does not have to be the same as in the 80s. Absolutely. And I still read that first December World AIDS Day report from Ministry of Health with pain. It's very archaic. Mm. Yeah, this day and age, there's U equals U, there's PrEP. Uh, there's been PEP for a while as well, which is another form of medication in addition to PrEP. Amazing, amazing tools to learn about and protect uh, yourself with. Yeah, I appreciate that you had hope in your show for that. Back to the whole media thing. Even though, yes, that may be a report and yes, it may be statistically correct, but how it comes across to the Singaporean who will hear bad news on the news or any kind of medical thing, it's always like, oh, sugar is better. Okay, everyone, let's cut down on sugar. Yeah. You hear a story. HIV is better. Yeah. Oh, everyone, yeah. stop having okay, sex. Exactly. You know, like avoid these people. So that perpetuates that stigma and that fear towards the community, the LGBT community, and the fear towards each other. Absolutely, absolutely agree. And I just want to jump in on this because this fear and stigma of HIV, of any virus too, really comes from media and the past. And granted, you know, there are these like older movies like say 
Philadelphia or other movies where normal heart and, and angels in America where people yes. unfortunately die horribly from AIDS. Yes, these stories are important and these images are important to archive and to, to tell. But these stories and these images form the basis of all the fear and stigma that we collectively as a world have about HIV. Mm. You know, um, this is the reason why perhaps even my mom or someone's auntie will like, oh my God, you know, HIV, you're going to die. Because that's all they have remembered in yeah. terms of a movie you or a TV a show sentence. they've yeah. watched. They haven't had new information. They haven't had new shows to catch up on to change their perception. Not that many TV shows, you know, want to highlight HIV these days. I don't know why, but I wish, yeah, you know, even more straight aunties and uncles will watch the show and learn a little bit more about what's it like to be really living with HIV these days. Uh, of course, the show doesn't tell everything, but it's just a little glimpse into that. It's not a death sentence for sure. And people live healthy, perfectly normal lives. Yeah. You're right, Josh. We need more inspirational portrayals of people living with HIV, not just in narrative shows, but documentaries and how these stories are reported. That report from MOH is still very like, abstinence is the best yeah you know don't have so many sexual partners but like that does work sometimes but we can't always tell people you can't do certain things and that's also why i said at the beginning of this episode uh, recording we're like the show can't be preachy the show can't mm. be like no you can't do this we, it's not a show about showing people you can't do this you can't do that but it's about showing like what the real world is what is it like to be gay in singapore in the late 2020s yeah. yeah, yeah. Giving them the facts, right? And I mean, whether or not they resonate with the characters or not, also letting them decide for themselves, letting us decide for ourselves, because people like us. I, I love the title, "People Like Us." It's not people like me. By the uh, way, you guys happen to know where the title comes from? Uh, oh people my God. like us. We is got it the Kelly Clarkson song? No. Okay, no. no. Okay, no. <laughs> kidding, kidding. I just want to see your face. But, but like, there is a. A movie. It's a movie. A movie with that Chris, guy. Chris Pine. Whenever you Google people like us on YouTube to find a show, that movie shows up. People like us is the name of a the first, I would say, the first uh, queer activist group in Singapore. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, they are called People Like Us. I believe that name also came from the fact that people in queer people in Singapore, gay people especially in Singapore and Malaysia, use that term as. A replacement of gay so mm. like like are you people like us are you plu mm. so that's a euphemism almost correct right, right, right. correct so i can't claim to the beauty of the title but that was also one of the reasons why i chose to use this uh as the title of the show oh. it's great yeah it's how, great how, as in they would actually say are you people like us like yeah are you plu are you plu yeah oh, so if you look through some of the older like forums and irc chats and yeah this is a thing Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah. The new ones that I was trying to point out also is us. Mm -hmm. That even though this may not be something that you directly resonate with, it may resonate with the person next to you. The hope that I have for our community is that we not just think about ourselves because as a lot of gay people, especially in... Singapore, at least, we've had to kind of like fend for ourselves against the environment that we grew up in. When Kennedy was on the show, we we talked about bullying in school Mm -hmm. and having to prove yourself to to just convince people that you are allowed to have a seat at the table. So you're constantly thinking about yourself that now we've come a long way and we have the ability to think 
as a community as well so even though it may not be your story it's someone else's story and if you learn to empathize with these characters you also know how to empathize when someone that's near and dear to you shares what they're going through as well I guess I'm just curious to know who if any is your favorite character who do you identify with the most wow I was gonna ask you that question I always get asked this question so I'm gonna throw it back at you interviewers I think Josh's character yeah because you guys have the same well there's that as well Um, no I I think you cover fat shaming you're sitting across someone who's in your community and we're supposed to also at the very least be brothers and kind towards one another but then we view each other as pieces of meat because I'm unattractive to you you wouldn't spend time with me I've got to go out of my way to to kind of like reshape myself when who I am on the inside is actually exactly the same. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like I have to go and put on a new outfit in order for you to accept me for who I am or see the beauty in me more than accept. And I get it. Everyone has their tastes. Um, but I know what that is like to be stood up or... Uh, to have someone say, oh, you're not what I thought you were. And then that led me down like dark paths of being at war with my body more than I already am uh, with myself. Like the exact flash I had while watching the show Mm -hmm. was from a point earlier this year when I went to Bangkok. You know, you're you're by yourself, foreign country, you go on a Tinder or a grinder, right? And at that point, I remember feeling very confident with how I looked. Mm. Like I'd been working hard. I loved what I was seeing in the mirror and I felt great. And like I had this nice conversation with this person and then I met them and they were so quiet. And I asked like if, if everything is okay. But there's just something in your mind that sometimes is the inner saboteur, but sometimes it's also because, oh, you know what this is you know what's happening. So I asked, like, what's going on? And he said, oh, I thought you were fitter. I thought you'd be fitter. And I just, like, died on the inside. And in that moment, I could have just gone along with it. But I remember sort of sticking up for myself. I wasn't rude to the person, but I just said that was a very mean thing to say. Mm. But, you know, like, I thought we were just going to go to the night market and you were just going to show me around. You, you can't even do that with me. You know, we're outside in public. It's not like we're hooking up. We're, we're literally just going to this night market. But I think I'm going to go. And then I went on uh, by myself and I had such a great night. And, and I'm glad that I'm able to do this now at 33. There were times when I was 20, when I was a lot more vulnerable, where I did not. And it completely like killed me, my spirit. So I like where I am now, but when I was watching that character on screen, I remembered that moment mm. when that date said that to him. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I know what that feels like. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. No, it's okay. Yeah, but it's- I actually, I'm glad that you have become stronger since it doesn't affect you as much, I hope. Yeah. I mean, there are days that do because these are habits that have been that way for a long time, you know? So it takes a bit of reminding. But that's one of the characters that I think I relate to. Right, Sam right. No, but I, I, I like that story also. I mean, obviously, it was a shitty thing for you to have gone through, especially when you're alone in a foreign land. But hey, at least that guy told you and he was honest. And you also set your boundaries, right? You were like, okay, I don't want to be around this negative energy. I don't want to feel lousy about myself. And yeah. you cut it short. In a, sense, in a sense, you nipped it at the butt. You know, you ripped the Band-Aid off. Yeah. And you went on with your own life. You went your own separate ways. And... 
I mean, looking back, isn't it for the better, right? A tough pill to swallow regardless. Mm. It could have been a lot worse, is what I'm saying. Yeah, it, yeah. It, and you, you're right. And and it's not just the the fat shaming thing, right? It also depends on where you're going. Sometimes, you mm. know, you can go to, like, I can go to America, and I'm considered smaller built. You know, you, uh, a Chinese guy who's usually a lot more accepted here in Singapore. You can go to another territory and then be a minority there, and then mm-hmm. you get a different taste of that medicine. Uh, I, I think the the rule of thumb that I just kind of go by is that if I'm not for you, I'm not for you. Not everyone has to be for me. Yeah, I don't have to be for yeah. everyone yeah. as well. Your self-esteem is self-esteem. It shouldn't be dependent on someone else. Yeah. And then I know that, I mean, a lot of us, I mean, myself included as well, right? Grew up learning that the hard way, right? We seek people's validation a lot. I mean, who doesn't to some extent, right? Mm. I'll venture to say that even people who claim that they don't care about what other people think actually That's care. That's a shield. That's yeah, a, a mask. Sh- right, yeah. yeah. I mean, words do bite and linger and they fester, eat into your thoughts even if it's like years some stuff from like years ago sometimes yeah it, like you know it came back in the flesh to you yeah in a movie but sometimes it could be hearing a certain song and associating it with like an unpleasant memory of a guy and everything comes flooding back i guess what i'm saying is like yeah um it's it's been it's been rough but learning to like detach your own self-esteem from what from other people's opinions i think that's like <sighs> Again, it sounds like common sense and I'm, I'm sounding preachy, which is exactly where we didn't want to go. <laughs> but I can't emphasize that enough. Um, okay, yeah, I guess to answer your question. So the question was, which character did I relate to the most? Right? Mm-hmm. I think it's always very hard for me to answer this question because like, unless it's like a autobiography. <laughs> Sam Joe, the movie. Yeah. Or I the know, series. Me, hint, hint. <laughs> nudge, nudge, no. <laughs> I feel like I always see my a bit of myself in different characters and it's again a cliche answer but it's just how my mind works you know I'm always looking for things that I can pick out and go like oh my god that's so true that's right? nice. and I think what I like about this series um, is, is, is that continuous exploration of the dynamics between you know gay child and parent slash parents which is something I want to revisit with you also because I think at the start you said something which stirred something in me so in a sense, I feel like I relate to you, Leon Chiu, okay, writer and director the most and creator of People Like Us the most because you talked, the, you talked about your mom just now and she came for the screening, mm-hmm. uh, but you haven't actually had a follow-up conversation with her. That's exactly me and this podcast, actually. I mean, for those of y'all who've been listening from day one, you know that I came out to my parents officially because of this podcast and then we went into season one, episode one. But actually, since that tough conversation I had, and since yeah, I heard my mom crying and everything, uh, I had like one follow-up conversation, and then never again. So actually, till this day, I don't know if, you know, she's out there <laughs> listening to this, slash has listened to any of our previous episodes, slash what she actually thinks about it. Even though I'm like 35 years old, like I'm still a kid. Like I still feel like a five-year-old kid who's like afraid of her judgment and again very much um yearning for her approval and and you know i just don't want her to not be proud of me because i am proud of what we're doing here Mm -hmm. you know i i I really am and that's what i said to her also the first time i came out of her and talked about the podcast i still find it hard to talk to my mom or uh, nary my dad about these things it's such a hard scary situation to be in I don't know, slowly, baby steps. I also want to self-reference my show. Yes. Um, remember the last episode where the Brandon Fernandez character says, 
the need for love and approval from our parents can be so powerful. That's kind of why I made the show too, just to have to explore these dynamics. Only if you're comfortable answering, but do you think you will ever have that conversation with your mom? And what what is your relationship even to begin with? Mm, I think I am comfortable answering because um, I want to try to blur that line. Um, I never properly came out to them, but then this year we had a few conversations about my sexuality and then she even asked me like, yeah, why didn't you tell me? Like, why couldn't you tell me? I said, because it's hard and and scary, mm. I said. And this was like really in a restaurant and it's always been happening in a restaurant. <laughs> Maybe that's uh. a, kind of like a safe space where we can't like go into histrionics. Yeah, controlled uh, environment. Controlled environment. Right. But yeah, so we had a revealing conversation then and, and then I just said, yeah, it's hard, you know, it's, it's scary and... I also do not do it, you know, I'm just like, and that's honestly the, probably the first time we really, really sort of talked about it. Even though I'm so open about my work, you know, LGBT themes and everything, and I'm out publicly, I would even say, mm. online, I can't do that with her or if, with my parents. Um, so my dad's also kind of like the same situation. And they're divorced. So I kind of had two conversations as well it's i can't do it once right i'm still living a double life even though i'm so out i wanted to stop because whenever she asks me like what i did the weekend or like whatever i i still find myself lying being more obtuse just more mm-hmm. you know just uh, screening whatever uh, just just like leaving out the details yeah right? just yeah. leaving out the details and and so in that dinner i said like, i don't want to do that anymore like it's mm. killing me and i can't believe i was still doing that actually just to Backtrack a little bit. This year, Pink Dot happened a day after my birthday. I asked her if she wanted to go to Pink Dot. Um, and she knows I'm involved in it. Like, she actually is on my Instagram and my Instagram is open to everybody. So she stalks my Instagram. Um, <laughs> this is what I mean by this weird, yeah. you know, like cat, this The weird information bridge. is there, but you don't want to talk about it. Correct. So then I did this crazy thing where I mass texted both my family group chats to invite them to Pink Dot to celebrate my birthday because they're so close to each other. I linked this year's like campaign video as well. Mm-hmm. Um, no one showed up, um, but I had my chosen family, my friends. Mm. Um, Your rainbow family. My rainbow family. Uh, but it created a reaction, which is what I wanted. And I guess being a director, I'm a bit dramatic like that. So my mom got a bit angry. She's like telling other people, like why? asking my brother, like, why would he do this? It's so crazy. Uh, I had one cousin reply me directly saying that, oh, um, he would love to come, but he can't because he's got a friend's wedding or something. Uh, the younger cousins replied me, but everybody else was like kind of crickets, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. I think, I think I can't blame them because this is honestly has only really been the first step to really try to literally destroy these lines. Mm-hmm. And I did it in a very like drastic, dramatic way. I just saw it as baby steps. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. if I may suggest as well, mm. I love that you asked. Sometimes let them come to you and sometimes allow them to have that space to, we don't hide some of these things anymore. Uh, if if we want to have a conversation about it, both parties show we can. I, I don't have to force you in that conversation. I, I think an analogy I can use is like I would try to cook for my dad. Like I'll try to introduce him to more than just Indian food. And I'll keep like, I'll cook it. I'll plate it really nicely. And I'll put it on the table. Say, look, I made this for you. And then they don't eat it. 
and then you beat yourself up for it and then you get angry at your parents but I realized that it was such an unhealthy thing that I was always trying to do it over and over and over again to kind of show them like, hey, look, hey, look, hey, look, that it was eating me up as well, where now it's just like, you know, I'm just going to cook and I'm going to enjoy it. I have a little bit more if you want. If you don't want, it's okay. If you want the plates here to eat. I've not always done this. I've not done this for 30 years of my life and that's why I wanted to do it. To oh, you're 38. I am okay. I wanted to. I wanted to open that door, because I think even with social being open on social media, to me that door is not satisfactorily open. Yeah. And so far, no one has done anything. No one has talked to me about anything. I and and I'm sure they've all accepted in always in their own ways. And and you know, of course, they have their own busy lives to deal with rather than deal with my this little thing. Um, but. I wanted to also reciprocate that and that's why I did that invitation because I kind of wanted to know where we stand in Mm. some ways. Mm. Yeah, Mm. not just with my parents but with everybody in my family. Yeah, Honestly, I think it's been for the better. Um, And now, yeah, if they want to come, they come and if they want to talk about it, talk about it. And actually, some conversations have been had after that which I never thought were possible. Yeah, girl, I could totally relate oh, on so many <laughs> levels. That's why, okay, so the character I relate to the most is Leon Cho. Okay, guys, that's my <laughs> official answer. I, I think I'm also very guilty of not opening that door sometimes. I think we talked about this before, so there's like non-stop coming out to different people. Uh, some people may not, may want a fuller story. Some people may not. In fact, some people prefer not to know anything. Mm-hmm. And till now, to this day, like I said, with, with certain people, I'm in, in that limbo where, you know, it's, I don't really know where they stand. But at the same time, I'm a bit, I'm scared to find out where they do. And so therefore... It's terrifying, yeah. Yeah, therefore I don't even invite them to come to the table with me. Um, there is no meal plated out or whatever. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'm, at, I'm talking metaphorically now because I can't cook, but <laughs> you know, I can make scrambled eggs. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> New Year's Eve, I actually have a drag gig. But New Year's Eve is a very like family thing. Usually I would count down with them. We, you know, we would, you know, turn on Channel 5. I don't know why, but we do. <laughs> there's a countdown. Um, and then, we, you know, there'll be a potluck and everything. And we would sing all the and drink champagne and everything. It's nice. It's really good family time. And I really, really cherish my extended family. But right now, I'm like, what's my official excuse going to be? Because it's going to be weird that I'm, not, that I'm not there. And it's one thing to say that, oh, I'm working, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, my day job. You know, questions asked, like, work is work. But if it's like, oh, here's a performance. And then it's like, oh, how much detail do I go into, right? Because, yes, I know a lot of my cousins, you know, know about what I do. And in fact, they've come to support so many times. Oh, um, nice. I love them. But I'm just wondering, yeah, how much, how much do the aunties and uncles actually know? And by extension also, but... It, and when I say it by extension, but actually they're the closest. My parents, like, you know, I haven't really had that. Like I said, I haven't had a proper follow-up. And the one time I actually kind of came close to it was when I think CNA was doing a documentary and they were looking for profiles, mm. parent-child profiles. Oh, and the recent one. Yeah, yeah. So actually, actually, the producers contacted me and they were like, you know, do you want to be in it? And I'm like, I'm okay. But, you know, they were like, we need either one or both of your parents. And so I was like, hmm... It was my fault because I didn't have a conversation and I just ruled out my mom completely because, and, and, and I think if she's hearing this, like, mommy, if you're listening, like, you know, it's not, obviously I love you so much and I didn't mean, you know, it's, I just didn't think that you were ready and maybe I'm wrong and I hope so. Maybe I'm just too scared of like further, maybe disappointing anyone further, right? 
So I just left her out. And then I was thinking, okay, maybe my dad, there's more of a chance because he's a more outgoing person. And and I actually did ask him, but I also asked him kind of like in a, I buried the lead. Like he was giving me a lift somewhere in his car. And then just before I got off, I was like, hey, I left it to do like the last five minutes of the journey. Even though the journey was like 20 minutes and it was a whole highway to talk. There were so yeah. many traffic lights because my dad always likes to take, my sister and I always complain he likes to take the traffic light route. Don't know why. <laughs> yeah. He don't want to pay ERP and that kind. Yeah. Very practical Singaporean, yes. you know, <laughs> pioneer course. generation dude of we're talking course. about here. Okay. Um, that's why I love my family among other things. But yeah, I left it to the last five minutes and this documentary that they're doing and like they would love to, you know, speak to LGBT children and their parents and and he's he's a great guy. And I mean, Josh, you've met him. Yeah. But I also know that there are certain things that you just can't force on people. And he was very, he was actually quite, <sighs> this is my first time revisiting that episode, but he was actually quite curt about it. But I know he didn't mean any harm. But he was just like, nah, nah, nah. I, 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 I rather not do it. Um, I don't want to talk about these things. Something along those lines. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing here, of course. Yeah. Mm. Um. And yeah. And before anyone listening like comes for him, like know that you know my dad has been such a pillar of support and rock for me, as my entire family has, yeah. including my mom and my sister, my whole life. So. I just realized there and then that, you know, and this was, I want to say sometime last year or was it earlier this year? Uh, I just realized that, yeah, you know, they also need time and, and I will give them time. Yeah. Um, but it's instances like that that make me scared to open that door, which is very rusty right now and, you know, probably needs a lot of WD-40 yeah. on the hinges and everything. I cannot not try. Mm, yeah. Yes, yes. Plus we're all getting older. Yeah. They're all, my parents are all getting older. If I try once and if, if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And so be it. But I just kind of need to know because yes. it's kind of sad if we don't connect with the people closest to us. After the coming out situation with my parents, there was an episode of Queer Eye that I really, really resonated with because it was a pastor's son trying to reconcile his relationship with his mom and the church. Like that episode broke me because it related to me so much that I was in tears when I was watching it. And I wanted to show that to my mom and dad that it is not just me that feels this way and it can be possible for a great relationship between a parent and their kid under God. Um, And they refused to watch it. And I would like try to time it to when they're just about to come home. Then I start the episode. It happens to kind of be on TV. Say, hey, look, look what's on TV. Mm. And I was trying so hard to show them a beautiful representation of what a queer person's life can be like. And they just kept turning it down. And I've tried directly telling them that there's something I want you guys to watch with me. I think it would be really great for us. I tried to remind them over and over again, say, hey, remember that thing we're supposed to watch? You know, I kept bringing it up, right? And they would kind of like shrug it off. And I was so obsessed with the fantasy that I had in my mind where all of us are sitting together watching the show and then my dad and my mom were like, oh, I understand right now and we're all a happy family, but it just never happened. So I had to come to terms with that. Mm. I'm not looking for rejection today that's kind of what I'm faced with when I ask myself if I want to go there. It's just like, 
if I want to go there, can. But do I want some rejection today from my parents? Potential rejection. Do I need it today? I said, like, no, I don't need it today. It's okay. I'm just, I just won't bring it up. So that that's kind of like at least where I'm at right now. I shall take that home with me. And we've tried. You know, it's not like we have not. Yeah. Like we have. So you got to remind yourself that I have tried. And I will try again, but at a point when I'm okay with trying and potentially being let down and I'm able to pick myself up. Us coming out is difficult for us, but it's also difficult for people around us, right? Yeah. So we've talked about this before. So they need their own space also. I maybe have been using it as a bit of a crutch also to kind of as an excuse to say that, oh, they're not ready, right? So in a way, maybe, you know, like me ruling my mom out for the interview, it was my way of protecting her also. Mm. You know, because I was like, I, I, I just... My sense is telling me, my gut is telling me that she's not ready. In any way, she hates public speaking and all this kind of attention. Like, she's very much not Might an extrovert. Might not be for her. Yeah. 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 So, we should all try to meet each other halfway. But sometimes if the other side is not ready, then it's just not. Yeah. It's just not. Yep. Now, yeah, you know, this is not my now, but maybe later. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but you are on stage still, and you're performing. I thought oh, yeah. that, yeah, because there was a time when you would not have considered doing this, you know. Oh right, yeah, because it would have been too. What you call it? I don't know. Look, you like, had the decision to face. not do this podcast, right? You did. You had that decision. You were at the crossroads. I remember that point as mm. well, where I wasn't sure whether or not Sam Joe was going to be part of the SG Boys, and yeah. you made that decision. Yeah, like I'm already proud of you that you're not going to let that stop you from living a beautiful life, or at least allowing yourself to have that chance. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. And thanks, Josh. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think we don't really look back. I mean, okay, like we, that's not true. We look back a lot. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think <laughs> but I think we look back on like random moments. But, but actually, yeah, thinking back, I, I think my life has really changed a lot since this podcast started. You know, it, it just set me off on this journey yeah. that that I didn't see coming and I didn't know what was around the bend, you know. Um, yeah. Do you see that, Leon? The range of emotions that we're able to convey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if we were to be cast in season four. Yeah. You see, Samjo was just can, about to cry there. Yeah, I, was I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mm. except that wasn't acting like that. <laughs> oh my God. That was, yeah. All so right. I, didn't, I didn't expect that also. Leon, the floor but, is yours. Tell us where we can watch people like us. The Gay Health YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash gayhealth. New episodes uh, come out every Thursday, 9pm Singapore time. Or if you're listening to this a little bit later, as one does, chances are all the episodes are already on the YouTube channel, so you can go binge watch them, because I feel like that's the best way to do it sometimes. Yes. I'm Joshua Simon. I'm Sam Joe. And we are the, the SG Boys. Boys, that little gay podcast from Singapore. Subscribe and find us on Instagram at The SG Boys. The beliefs, views, and opinions expressed on this podcast are attributable to its hosts only and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, organization, company, or individual.